Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. One of the criteria for the early apostles was that they had, they had direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. Paul was unique in that the other apostles were the disciples that became apostles had walked with Jesus. Paul became an apostle after Jesus died, resurrected. Jesus showed up to Paul as he was on the road to Damascus to go persecute Christians. And he had, a, he had an encounter with the living Christ. Post-resurrection and ascension into heaven, Paul was made an apostle. Paul received doctrine directly from Jesus. Apostles were believers who had direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. Either they walked with him while he lived on this earth, like the 12 disciples, or they had supernatural encounters like Paul. This means that apostles had firsthand, inspired, accurate teaching from the one true source, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Today, Pastor Bill tries to understand why the Corinthian church had such a difficult time listening to and living by Paul's teachings. What other credentials did they want? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, a brief, I guess, recap to bring you up to speed. Last week, obviously, we covered chapter 8, and Paul is dealing with this uh, Corinthian church. They have a lot of problems. Uh, it's a carnal church, and a lot of this letter, Paul is uh, correcting some wrong thinking that they had. We'll be dealt with in chapter 8, and I have to bring it up because chapter 9 ties right into it. Paul was dealing with the fact that there be weaker people in the body of Christ, uh, what he calls the weaker brother. And Paul says, him being someone more mature, he's like, I won't stumble. You know, they had a, a big issue back then on people eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Paul said, as a mature believer, I know that an idol is nothing and that that meat is on discount and that's what I'm going to eat. But if eating that slice of prime rib is going to stumble my brother, Paul said, I will never eat meat again if it stumbles you. And Paul was walking in a greater law the law of love. Um, yes, I have liberty to eat whatever I want, but if it would stumble you, I love you so much, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, that if this would damage your walk with God, I'll forego that in order to be a blessing, in order to be an example to you. So that carries right on into chapter nine. Now we're going to touch on uh, what is for some people a hot topic. We're going to deal with giving in the church and for you guys that are with us for the first time, <laughs> it's, it's, I always feel this way. I'm like, man, I, every time we get to giving, I look out like all the new people are going to be like, I knew it. I knew that's what they want to do. <laughs> and we just go through the Bible, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse. As it comes up, we get into it. Now what Paul is doing in the beginning of chapter 9, they were challenging Paul's apostleship and his authority. The Corinthian church was so carnal that... Even when God sent them a man of God, Paul had been responsible for leading many of them to Christ and ministering to them. They're now challenging his authority. And, and um, it would have had to been a real discouraging place to minister, I would think. You know, I, I don't know if I walked here and I mean, all the whatever sacrifice goes into to being pastor and overseeing a group and for you to walk. And be, I don't even think you call. I don't think you both be here. And it's like, but, but, I, but I am. And Paul's having to argue to, with them like, hey, guys, I, I am called. And that's how chapter nine starts. So look at it. Paul says, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? And so the first three questions are rhetorical. Paul says, am I not an apostle? I am an apostle. And one of the criteria for the early apostles was that they had 
they had direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. Paul was unique in that the other apostles were the disciples that became apostles, had walked with Jesus. Paul became an apostle after Jesus died, resurrected. Jesus showed up to Paul as he was on the road to Damascus to go persecute Christians. And he had a he had an encounter with the living Christ post-resurrection and ascension into heaven. Paul was made an apostle. Paul received doctrine directly from Jesus. That's the strength of apostleship is that this isn't secondhand information. It's not like I read a book and I'm relaying to you guys my studies from the book. An apostle at this time was someone that could say, I got direct connect. Jesus Christ himself told me the doctrine that I'm telling you. So it, there's no, it's not convoluted. It's not like, well, my pastor said, and your pastor said, and that's why an apostle had great authority. Um, they were they were giving it directly from the Lord. You guys follow me? So it's interesting today. I don't have time to go into it, but a lot of pastors are wanting to call themselves apostles. It, I, I just would just say this about that. Um, many of them will say they had an encounter with God and God showed himself to them and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's in some cases, it's just to kind of a pastor is not big enough. I'm a bishop. A bishop is not big enough. Now I'm an apostle. Um, now there's a senior apostle. Uh, next, it'll be the great senior apostle. And it is titles. Men get weird with titles. And um, that's why we're going to keep it simple here. Whenever we gather, um, and, and I say this all the time, but whenever we gather together, the big deal is who? And there'll never be a bigger deal than Jesus. And we're going to keep it like that. Amen. Um, so we're not tripping off. of If you call me Bill or Pastor Bill, I'm OK. You know, just don't call me nothing nasty. You know, call me, call me Bill, call me Pastor Bill, but that, that's good enough. You know, we all right. So, but Paul is saying to them, guys, I'm an apostle. Like, I, I, I saw Jesus Christ myself. I got it directly from him. And are you guys, are my work in the Lord? I, I minister to you guys. And in verse two, he says, if I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Paul says, if I'm not an apostle to some other groups, I definitely am an apostle to you guys. And what Paul is saying is he had a, a personal hand in ministering to this group and ministering to them in an apostolic way. So Paul says, I'm, there might be some other groups that can deny me my authority, but not you guys. I, I, I've been ministering to you guys in this way. And well, verse three, says, he says, my defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat? And to drink. And this is the issue that Paul's getting ready to deal with. They were so immature and their treatment of Paul was so poor that Paul had decided that even though I have a right as an apostle, the, as a minister to this group, they should take care of my needs. Um, they should be caring for me financially. They should be providing for my food and my necessities. But because they're so carnal and so weak, Paul said, I'm not even going to take nothing from you guys. And maybe you guys can relate. There may be some of us here. Maybe you may be in a you may have have time where you have a financial need. And there are people that you're like, I wouldn't even take it from them because they act up so bad. There's some people that, you know, they'll rub it all in your face. They'll be on Facebook talking about I just had to loan her rent money again. You know, and there's some people that you just like, I just won't even deal with you. You know, it, just, it wouldn't even be a blessing, even though to get me out of the jam. You so carnal and what you would do with it is so terrible. I'll pass. Paul is saying this is sad about the Corinthian church. It's so bad. He's like, I'm not even going to take money. I'm going to go ahead and work so that you guys, one, you don't you can't take my ministry. You can't say I came here for the money. Um, I'm just not even going to receive anything to you guys. He says this to their shame, though. And so he's going to go through a whole list of arguments of things that should have been afforded him. 
And then Paul's going to say, but I'm foregoing that because of how y'all are. So um, so now follow with me. So he says, my my defense to those that examine me. So, again, they're examining him. And I don't know anybody here. You know, most of us don't like it when people are kind of inspect pick, nitpicking you. Y'all examining me for rather I supposed to be here. In one place, they said of Paul, he's mighty in speech and his letters are, you know, strong in word. But his visage his when you look at him in vision, he's weak. And it's like, that's messed up. You know, it's like saying when we read your letters, you sound powerful. But when I look at you in person, you look weak. That's how they spoke about Paul. So he, he was I mean, for all that he did and was to the body of Christ, um, it's important to note that he didn't he, he wasn't always treated well. And so for some of you that maybe feel like, man, I'm serving and I'm giving and I'm doing these things and I don't always receive, you know, thanks or whatever. Um, know that Jesus did it. Paul did it. Most people that serve God will endure some of that. But our reward is coming when? In heaven. That's when you want to look for. You don't want to be looking for it down here on earth because you'll be disappointed. Folk will let you down. So um, we want to do all our service down here as unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord we receive the reward of the inheritance for we serve the Lord Jesus. So verse four, Paul says, do we have no right to eat and a drink? Of course he does. Do we have no right to take along a believing wife as do also the other apostles, the brother of the Lord and Cephas? So the brother of the Lord would be James and Cephas is another name for Peter. I just throwing this out there. This is not part of my study, but for for the Catholic church that made Peter Pope and that don't allow people don't allow their priests to, to be married and Peter's supposedly the first pope. I just it's just interesting that he's married. So where they get that from? Not from the Bible. Um, so anyway, that, that's for free. Um, we supposed to get married. So and, and whenever you suppress that, you end up with weird stuff like what happened. So um, Paul, Peter was married. Um, the brother of the Lord, James, was married. And they're saying, you know, what happens is, is because they're ministering, the body of Christ was to meet their needs. So they them and their families. Paul says, man, me and Barnabas. We know, can we take along a believing wife and serve alongside us? Can, shouldn't we be able to have our needs met in the same way? And the church wasn't taking care of them. Uh, again, some of this, Paul is going to let us know that he just didn't even want it because of how they were. Now it says, um, verse six, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Uh, again, the idea was for those that were called to this sort of ministry that they were to go full time. They were to serve the Lord uh, with singleness of heart. And the church was to take care of their needs. And so Paul is saying, don't you know, we're, we're having to work. Paul's job for you guys that don't know on when Paul's side work was uh, being a tent maker. And in some areas, like when Paul was dealing with the Corinthians, he would work to supply his own need because um, because they, they they just were immature and he didn't want to take money from. Them. But in other areas and I'll, read, I'll give you some verses later. But when he was dealing with the church in Philippi, Paul thanked them. For taking such good care of him. He thanked them for uh, their love gifts and for ministering to him as his practical needs. And so um, in some places, Paul would receive. Uh, but we see that the Corinthians were in such a place that Paul said, man, y'all are I'm not even going to take nothing from you guys. So verse seven, he says, whoever goes to he gives three examples, three analogies. Whoever goes to war at his own expense. Nobody who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit. Nobody who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. So he gives three examples, all things that an apostle or pastor would do. First, he says, who goes to war? Anybody here that's doing ministry, you know that you've engaged in a spiritual war. This is not even this is worse than a physical war. In a physical war, you know, you, you, you got to go. You can see the enemy. You know, you got to get busy and, and watch yourself in a spiritual battle. 
you got enemies that you can't see. You know, you have to be praying. You have to be watching. Paul said nobody goes to war at their own expense. If you go to war for the United States of America, they buy your weapons. They provide your training. Uh, they provide your clothing. They provide for your housing and everything else while you're going to war for them. Paul says nobody goes to war at their own expense. Um, they're taken care of by those that sent them to war. Um, the analogy he's making is that as a minister, I'm, I'm going to war for you guys. You guys are supposed to be taking care of me. Then he says, who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat of the fruit of it? Nobody. You plant a vineyard, you go out there and grab you a handful of cluster and, you know, you pop you some grapes, make sure it's legit. You know, Paul says, I have a right to it. I planted it. I tended it. I kept it. I, I, I pruned it. I'll go out there and, and receive of the fruit of it. Um, in, in the same way, an, an apostle or a pastor or a minister, they're planting, they're sowing, they're watering. Paul spoke about that earlier, that one sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. He says, you know, we should we should receive from here as well. The last one is tending a flock. So who tends a flock and then doesn't drink of the milk that comes from the flock that he's tending? Nobody. Um, you have a right to that. You tend it, you take care of them, you feed them, you clean them up and and you can enjoy some of the fruit of it, some of the milk that would come from it. Then verse eight, Paul says, do I say these things as a mere man or does not the law also say the same for it is written? And this is a quotation of Deuteronomy 25, verse four, for it is written in the law of Moses. You shall not muzzle the ox while it treads the grain. Then he asks a question. Is it the ox? I'm, I'm sorry. Is it the oxen God is concerned about? One of the books I read on this said it couldn't be the oxen that God was concerned of because oxen can't read. Um, so Paul says in the law, it even says when you got an ox and he's treading for you, you can't muzzle him because if he gets hungry while he's treading, he needs to be able to eat. He can't be starving him. You know why he's just working and working and working. If he needs to bow down and chew up some of what he's doing, he's supposed to be able to eat as well. Now, here goes the challenge with this type of stuff. From my own personal vantage point, uh, we live in a culture where this is abused. It could be abused on two sides of, of the equation. The Corinthians were abusive on the side of it in that they weren't um, they weren't freely giving and ministering to Paul's needs. They were questioning him and all these things. And a lot of that had to do with their spiritual condition. We already see this as a carnal church. They got sexual sin rampant. They're getting drunk at communion. Um, they're taking one another to court back and forth. They got a lot of issues. And so it's their immaturity that has them in this condition. But we also know that in Paul's day, as in ours, there were men that their whole motivation for ministry involvement was to gain, uh, was to was to receive and to take and to get. And so Paul would warn in other places that he talked to the Ephesians when he left in Acts 20. He said, when I leave, you got as soon as I leave from among us, says people are going to rise up like ravenous wolves seeking to just devour the flock. You know, um, when he was speaking to Peter, he says one of the one, one of the ways you mark the false teachers that they make merchandise of the people of God. That you just become merchandise and they're, they're looking only at they're not giving, they're not ministering. They're looking at people as merchandise. And so we want to be mindful of that. We live in that day. Um, we live in a time where on the TV shows now you'll see ministers who they're not having their needs met by the church. They're living well beyond. They're living like superstars off of the ministry. That's wrong, too. Everything I'm reading as as the ministers are to be taken care of. Their needs are to be met. They're supposed to be able to raise a family and live and be free of the concern of day-to-day finances that they might be free to serve God. It isn't that they might be living like celebrities. And um, there's a there's a thing right now, and it's all over social media, it's all over the internet, but there's a pastor that he got caught 
doing, you know, things he should not with God's money. And they, they, they videoed, they videoed, and they're asking him, like, why do you need such extravagant things? Why do you need a Bentley? Why do you need, you know, you know, why did you spend $5,000 at the Gucci store? And you're listening at this man not skip a beat on the camera say, well, you know, when I go on my engagements, I have to present myself a certain way and I have to have, you know, these bags and these suits and these coats and whatever. And I'm looking at this just thinking this is a non-believing woman questioning him. The world is watching it now because the video has been plastered everywhere. And this man is sitting there defending every point. I need that sort of car. I can't just show up in anything. Um, I, I, I can't fly regular airlines. I'm too big of a deal. You know, I got to have my own personal. Thing. Seriously, this is a, a supposed man of God. And I believe that people will see stuff like that and say, you know, non-believers will see something like that and be like, see, that church, that's all it's about. And and it, and they get stumbled by it. And so um, what happens? This is the flip side. This is where I stumble as a pastor. I've seen so much of that and would want so bad to not be seen as that, that I would say the first three years that we planned the church, I would avoid these teachings. I would avoid teaching it the right way because I'm like, man, I would just glaze over it. And I remember at one point, you know, speaking to some of the guys that I'm accountable to. They're like, man, that's you being unfaithful with the word. You know, Um, you have to teach it correctly so people know. Um, And so this these are uncomfortable things, you know, where because of of, of the abuse. But what I want to do for us is make sure that we have a right understanding. Um, It is the church's responsibility to care for the pastors as the church grows. Um, yeah, I came from a, what would be considered a mega church. And I see the benefit as the church is faithful to give and everything else. Well, there were pastors that were able to be brought on staff full time to care for other parts of the body. And what it did was instead of having a staff of pastors that work full time in the world and they do the best they can between family and work to give what they can for the church. You know, that's the best that they can do. Um, you had a guy that his full time job is minister to the youth. That was my job. So those you've had activities and they had things planned. That was my job. I got paid full time. My family was taken care of. I was there every day coming up with activities, working on Bible studies, planning outings, you know, getting venues secured, planning things to do with them so that those kids, you know, the kids at that church there, those youth had more available uh, than what would be available if that were not the case. There was a children's ministry pastor. That was his full time job to be there, making sure there were teachers and materials and curriculum and everything else so that the children's ministry was banging. There's a benefit to that, but that's provided by that body as as they give. And we're a smaller church. As we grow, understand that that's the heart, that as you guys are faithful to give to the work, it enables us to do all the things that we believe God's called us to do. In the Old Testament, as God set up the priesthood, God told the priest, your job, you, you don't get an inheritance in the land. I am your inheritance. Everybody else gets lands. All the children of Israel, every tribe got their lands and portions. You guys, Levites, priests, I'm your inheritance. You get me. And so how are we going to live? How are we going to eat, Lord? They're going to give to me. You guys are going to receive it. There are going to be things that are offered up to me. And there's a portion of what they offer to me that I'm going to give to you, that you and your families will be taken care of. So now the priests and Levites were enabled to do their function as the people were faithful to give. And there were periods of time where the people stopped giving. Um, the Levites, they were out there farming because they, they didn't have the people weren't giving. And so Nehemiah had to come in and get it squared away. And he came and, you know, he, he whooped the people in the shape. Nehemiah was a gangster leader. You got read Nehemiah 13. He put hands on folks. You know, uh, I can't lead like that today. But uh, but it was very effective. You know what I'm saying? He got it back in order. 
and got them priests back doing what they were supposed to be doing. So back here, verse um, verse 10, I'm sorry. Paul says, or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt this is written that he who plows should plow in hope and he who threshes should hope. Uh, he who threshes uh, in hope should be partaker. And so the one that plows would you know, have hope that he's going to receive from the work that he's doing. The one that threshes the threshing floor for the wheat, he's going to be able to receive from that. He's going to thresh in hope. Verse 11, he says, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Paul says, if I'm pouring into you guys spiritual things, is it a big deal? Is it a great thing that I would receive from you guys uh, material things? And like I told you guys, if you're writing notes, write down Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. I'm going to read it to you. Um, as Paul is challenging the Corinthians and not receiving, I want you to listen to what he wrote to the Philippians who were giving to him. In Philippians 4, 15 through 19, Paul said this. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So Paul says, when I first got going, you guys were the only ones that were looking out for me in that way, in a giving and receiving sort of way. Verse 16, he says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent and once again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, Paul says to them, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. See, as they supply for Paul to go out and be available to minister, the fruit of that ministry, they would they would also be recipients. As, as we send out missionaries, maybe I can't go to Zimbabwe, but somebody else is going with the gospel. And I'm saying, I'll, I'll give some money to help you go. Well, those that support them financially, you're, you're partaker now with them. You partaking of, of the fruit that comes from their mission, their serving in that way. And so Paul says, I, I don't seek the gift, but the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. And notice that verse is the context of when Paul says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. A lot of people like to quote that verse that don't give, that aren't faithful with the resources God has given them. I just think context is so important. Paul says to a group that was caring for him that he might go forth with the gospel. He says that you guys are faithfully given to me. He says, I'm, I'm confident my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. And it is true that as we make God a priority and we make the things that matter to him a priority, we can trust that God, we've been a good steward. We haven't squandered what you've given us. We've, we've made sure to give back to your work. Then now I look for you to take care of whatever lack I have, whatever, wherever the things don't measure up, whatever it don't lie, we look to you from that point. Um, but when you haven't participated in that process, I don't know that we can apply that. I can't apply that verse. To someone who's not a part of, they don't give, they don't participate in the process of God in that way. So, so back to back to First Corinthians nine. Now he says in verse twelve, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul says, man, other people are receiving from you guys. We should be even more, right? But he says, but nevertheless. We have not used this right. Uh, we haven't used it. We endure difficulty. We endure all things. Notice he says why. Least we hinder the gospel of Christ. 
it's because of their immaturity. And so this is a direct tie-in to what Paul said last week. Last week, Paul said, if eating meat will stumble you, I won't eat meat. This week, Paul is saying, if taking your money is going to hinder you from receiving my, the gospel I'm preaching, I won't take your money. I'll work. First Corinthians touches on how the city of Corinth was rampant with idolatry and immorality, not too different from cities of today. Does this mean that you run away and isolate yourself from the sinful world? No, but Paul's letter did communicate that as a Christian, it's important to live a life that's upright and pure before God, even in the midst of a dark and sinful world. When the pressure is great, your opportunity to contrast the dark with light can be even greater. How does one do this with all the influences pressing in? Keep looking to the Word of God for direction in all things. If you're seeking some assistance with where to read, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to joining Pastor Bill again next time right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word